Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and, of course, time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, finally, we've got Stephen Ryan back from Dixonia Rare Plants. <laughs> morning, yes. Stephen. Good morning. Yes, it seems like forever since I've been it here because I had to drop out for the last time I should have been in here because of a family wedding in Perth, which I might add was great fun. Oh, I mean, good. I spent a lot of time at King's Park. Uh, which I'd never visited. That's not a bad thing to do. Oh, it's an amazing place. Yes. And, of course, it was sort of late spring, so there were still oodles of wildflowers. I mean, the kangaroo paw beds were just outrageous, just beautiful. So we spent time there, and the morning after the wedding, while everybody else was recuperating from hangovers, we decided to deal with ours by going for an 18-kilometre walk. <laughs> Uh, as you do. As you do, yes. Yeah. So we ended up going to the King Jarra Reserve, I think it was called. Oh. And there's this uh, five-hour, 18-kilometre walk you can do to go out to look at this big King Jarrah. Uh, and again, there was all sorts of wildflowers, stylidiums, and all sorts of lovely things flowering. And so, yeah, we had a nice few days over in the West. It was oh, that's fun. great. It was, so, it was worth the long flight. It was worth the long flight. And, of course, you know, family wedding, and it was a lovely wedding, and yep. everybody had a nice time. And, Terrific. And, you know, the bride and groom looked gorgeous. And, you know, it was, yeah, it was just a really nice thing to do. So, uh, yes, I've got wanderlust again now, so I, I keep thinking, well... Why can't I just go to somewhere in Australia for a few days and, yeah, <laughs> and see some bits of here I haven't got, got to see? Because I spend a lot of time going to far-flung places. Yes. And I don't actually see an awful lot of our own. Yes. So maybe I need to slot a few of those in as well. So, Why yeah, not? so it's good fun. And, yes, the Western Australian wildflowers were outrageous. And some of those grevilleas that grow over there. Mm. Oh, they are just so exotic looking compared to our local grevillea species. Not that I'm trying to demean our local ones, but they seem to have taken themselves to an absolutely new level in the West. Yes. So it was great fun. So Brilliant. We had just had a little high car and we tootled around. It was great. Great. Excellent. Okay. We've got the big bottle tree still over there. Oh, yes, the, yes, the Adansonia. It, it was bare when we were there and looked rather mean and miserable, but they say that it is actually surviving and it's improving since they shifted it into the gardens from up the Kimberley or wherever they got it from. Um, but, yeah, it's a huge thing. I mean, they've shifted a vast big tree into place and, uh, you know, it's got a, a big sort of fence around it and signage and all that sort of thing to explain the tree and all that sort of stuff. But it's got to be about the most southerly baobab growing in Australia, I would have thought. Yes, yeah. that's true, mm. true, true. Yeah. Good morning, Graham Morrison. <laughs> morning, morning, Pam. Having a bit of a mumble here. <laughs> but, uh, like Stephen, I've been flapping my wings a bit as well. We got to New, Ze- New Zealand, Leonie and I, for th- th- three weeks. I just came back last tri- Friday. All right. Uh, yeah, the, the Friday before, actually. So Both that, that islands? Was, or? Yes, uh, Simon Rickard was our t- tour leader, oh, one, right. one of Ju- Judy Van Reeden's Re- uh, great story there. You know, she's—I uh, know Stephen has some g- 
great great trips and people like-minded people that are planned people all together sort of thing. They, they really get on well and it's yeah. a great great thing for them to do, you know. Excellent. And uh, Actually, I've yeah. seen, been seeing some of Simon's pictures on Instagram and things oh, like yes, that. Oh, yes, I yes, took yes, a tour yes, myself yes. to New Zealand a few years ago, so a lot of the places are places that I'd been to, so it's quite nice to yeah, sort of see them come up and yeah, uh, all yeah, that sort of thing. Like... You, 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 he's, he's such a, a, he's a, a wise man. He's an intelligent guy. He's got such a, a you know, an understanding of gardens and botany and stuff. And just, it's, he, he, he really entertained us. And really, yeah. he, he really did, did, did a great job. You remember? It's funny, Pam. I'm, I'm uh, uh, talking to this lady, and she said, "Oh, she said, Graham." Uh, you know, I, I heard your voice. You know, in, in, I've been talking to you here, and uh, lo and behold, he said, I recognise that. You talk on 3CR, don't you? Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Does he recognise my voice? Uh, <laughs> you see, you can't escape, Graham. Uh, and she went on to say that uh, uh, in uh, one, one of the sessions I was in, I told her about, I was saying, talking about the the Butchart Gardens in, uh, in Vancouver in, in, in Canada, in Vancouver Islanders in, Van- in Canada. And uh, she, she took, took my advice and went there sort of thing, sort of thing. Okay. So they yeah, had a bit of an influence. Yeah, it was good to hear. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the other thing that came, came up out of that one was, uh, uh, you know, the lady in Butchart Gardens, her, her husband, was so, he's, he's, uh, I think he's quarried the limestone and cement sort of thing, became a very wealthy man. Mm. And uh, she made a little flower garden around the place and then gradually encroached into the, the, the quarry. Right. And then, of course, you got the Butchard Gardens going in the long term. And in New Zealand, I, there was about three different places where the uh, the w- woman of the pl- place had done the similar thing. One was a big uh, sh- sh- sheep station, and when when the the old man makes enough money, sort of thing, they push more, out the fences. I love the way that they do that on property. You know, <laughs> oh, we'll just take over another paddock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I, I, it, it sounds like a great idea, but I have to say, if it was if I was in the position where I could just push out the fences again, I think I'd create a monster. I don't think I'd be able to stop. Well, some of had, you know, four, 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 four hectares of land, and they, yeah. were, they were big, you know. Yeah. But uh, some of the things there, Simon, you know, I think for listeners out there, things that really, you know, I thought were be- beautiful. Well, one, the uh, Buxus hedges in, in curves, you know, just like S-curves and curved around, and they were so so beautiful. I just mm. I don't, don't see that as much in Australia. Uh, and I think maples, of course, we always say, but they're class act maples. And oh, they, they're beautiful. These lovely gardens laid out. You get all mm. the different colours. You get your weepers and the soft and just just stun, stunning things. Mm. And the other thing one I was going to bring up, uh, Pam, if you don't mind me yakking on a bit here, was the... Uh, uh, Ito or Ito, uh, Pepinia. Pe- 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 oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, they've oh, just sort of over the last few years become available yeah. here, yes. and they are an amazing group yeah, of peonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful things. I first, first saw them in Fr- Fr- France, one that they were showing me, you know, they, they cross actually a herbaceous peony with a tree, tree mm. peony to get, get, get this guy, and he dries, dies right down in the winter. We were looking at one of the ladies' garden, gardens there, and it was up, up, up just about a metre high. Yep. And then it'd come up in 
that short time from you know, breaking its dormancy sort of thing up until you know it was just uh, th- 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 three weeks ago I, 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 I was there mm. and uh, there's such vigour to get up mm. to that size yes. and I think they were saying that uh, there's one in America and he boasts he gets 150 flowers off the, mm. off, oh, 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 off mm. the thing mm. and uh, just multitude of colours as well you yes. know, so, uh, yeah, no this is stunning people yeah. out there that want something special in their garden it's a beautiful thing and the size yeah, yeah. of some of the flowers, oh, yeah, the ones yeah, we yeah, saw yeah, in yeah, France, yeah, which oh, yes. amazing. It's in that um, garden that was translated as the, what was it, the patch of peonies or the, the yeah. plentitude of That's peonies right, or whatever like it was. That, yeah. And they had quite a few itos in the garden there. <laughs> and they are, they're a stunning group of yeah, peonies. Yeah. And I'm told, I don't know whether this is true or not, uh, I haven't had it proven to me yet, but I'm told by one of the growers that they don't need a winter chill like the herbaceous peonies mm, do. No, so they should be able too. to grow them in, sure. in suburban Melbourne, yeah. whereas the herbaceous peonies tend not to be that successful because they need the chill. That's right. Exactly. Yep. Yes, yep. Yes, so the ITOs are well worth looking at. Yeah. If anybody's wondering, it's I-T-O-H, yeah, uh, if it. they're going to look it up or anything. Named after a Japanese guy who was the first yeah. one that actually... Yeah. Developed the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so they're lovely peonies. I only put eight in my garden this year. Uh, Is that all? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got eight cultivars from one of the wholesale growers, uh, so I had them for sale. I've only got a couple left at the moment, but uh, I took one of each home. I thought, well... Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'll stop at eight, you know no, that? No, probably not. If any more come my way, I'm probably going to plant them as well because the itos are just gorgeous. Yeah. But I, I still have a soft spot for the old tree peonies, though. I think. Oh, oh, yes, yeah, definitely. They're gorgeous to, to, things. To definitely. And I certainly had a great show with my tree peonies this year. I mean, a lot of them are now getting to an age where they're really starting to flower well. And this year was a good year for them. Yes, mm. yes. Oh, yeah, there quite a few on mine in, in Melbourne. It was beautiful. Got one up a bit over a metre tall. A, a pink and mauve with deeper burgundy within, yeah. within sort of thing. I don't know if it's, it's name there. Shame upon, upon me. But uh, <laughs> beautiful flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're gorgeous yeah, they're, things. They're, they're not reasonable cut flower. I, I took a few inside. They, they last inside in a vase. Oh, yeah. yeah they're oh, quite yes. good. The tree peonies I sometimes find are better just picked and floated than actually yeah. vased because yeah, they don't sure. have really long stems. Uh, but the ios you can pick. <laughs> quite tall stems mm. with them and they're yeah. great mm. as a cup player. Mm. Fantastic. Okay, I'm going to get to some community announcements because things are still happening around the track. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, firstly, a reminder to people that um, Musk Farm is open today, mm. the, the last day of the opening for this week. Um, and uh, if you've never been to Musk Farm, mm. I think it's a must. It oh, really it's a is. lovely property. Well worth the trip out to, um, well, Dalesford, Dalesford, near, near yeah, Dalesford. Yeah. But, of course, we have to remind listeners that if you are planning to go, um, there are no cars allowed near the property. Uh, there are two ways of getting to Musk Farm. You can either catch the bus shuttle service, which uh, will cost you a gold coin donation. That departs half hourly for Musk from Dalesford Secondary College, which is in 39 Smith Street in Dalesford. The first uh, service departs uh, at 10am this morning. Uh, or you can choose to take the train shuttle service. Now, a return ticket will, on the train will cost you $12.00. That's departing hourly from Musk from Dale, for Musk from Dalesford Railway Station, which is in Hill Street in Dalesford, and that first service departs at 9.45. So um, 
So you must remember that. You do need to uh, drive to Dalesford, then decide whether you're either taking the bus shuttle or the train shuttle to Musk Farm itself, but absolutely well worth the trip. There's going to be, as well as the uh, the garden being open, there'll be Devonshire teas, cheese platters, wine tasting and sales, um, exhibition and sale of overwrought garden sculpture, um, exhibition and mini workshops on botanical art, uh, book sales of Stuart Rattle's Musk Farm, um, and uh, there'll be a plant stall as well. So lots happening up there today. If, if you've never been, I do. Uh, it is definitely worth oh, the yeah. trip. Yes, it's I was up there a couple of months garden. ago. Um, uh, when was I up there? Oh, when the, the snowdrops are still in flower. So early, oh. early spring, late winter, early spring. Um, and had to wander around with the owners and things and had to chat to them about what they were going to do and things because they're new people who yes, got the place. So that's right. I haven't had it terribly long. Um, so we had a good wander around and a look. And I hadn't been back to the garden since Stuart died. So uh, it was quite interesting to see how it had changed because in between there'd been another owner um, uh, who unfortunately died from cancer year or two back um, mm-hmm. and he actually used to own Delvue, one of the big gardens down in the Western District. Oh, so, okay. Um, so um, Ray Williams was his name and he did some really interesting things with Delvue, which was an old sort of Guilfoyle garden um, and he had Musk Farm until his health started to deteriorate and uh, so it was sold up, and he's, he's now gone, and his partner lives in East Melbourne now, and uh, and the new people came from East Melbourne and are living out at Musk Farm. Good so. heavens. <laughs> yeah, so I think they still keep a unit in Melbourne, but uh, uh, Musk Farm is now their mm. primary residence. So. Well, I'm delighted that they agreed to open it, because th- I thought once it was sold the first time, we may never be able to have well, access again. But Ray wasn't interested in opening the garden. No, he was a very private right. man, so he, he never opened the garden. So, yeah, so it is good to see somebody who's... who's allowing access again, mm. albeit just perhaps once or twice a year, but that's fantastic. Yeah. It gives us an opportunity to see something that's a pretty special garden. Oh, it certainly is. Mm. Okay. Um, now, also, uh, if you're interested in other open gardens today, uh, up at uh, Kyneton, there are five open gardens uh, all up, opening up today from 10 a.m. through to 5 p.m. Cost is $50, and that uh, covers all five gardens. Um, now, you need to register at the Kyneton Botanic Gardens, which is on the corner of Close and Mollison Street in Kyneton. BYO lunch, or you can uh, buy lunch at a local eatery. Children under 14 will be free. Uh, no dogs allowed, but this will be a wonderful chance, as I say, to see five of Kyneton's best gardens and uh, the uh, the leader of this garden ramble is going to be Anne Tomlinson. So uh, that would mm. be a very good day out if people want to Fantastic. head to Kyneton. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. And it's certainly not going to be too hot up there today. No. <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> the weather has been amazing. Oh, talk week. about variable weather. Yeah, I don't mind it being cold. and I don't. Well, I don't like it being hot, but I can cope. But I hate it when it keeps changing backwards and forwards. I know. You don't know where you stand. No, your body can't adjust and you don't know what to wear. But I must say, we've had some wonderful soaking rain, yeah. continuous rain, and that's yeah. what the gardens have needed. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, no, November and nudging 100 mils. Uh, yeah. In, in, in just November. I think the average is about 666 or something. So mm. from once we're way above. Mm. <laughs> Which well, is fantastic. If, if, we're, if we're in for a hot summer, this is standing the gardens in good stead. If we can get through to Christmas without 
too much stress. I always we think it's not okay. that long until yeah. you get yep. to autumn. So, yep. you know, it's shortening that span. If it gets hot from October, then it can be a very long and awful yeah, summer. But, true. yeah, so I'm quite pleased. The only problem, of course, now is I've got all my things like sweet corn and tomatoes and things planted, and they're all sitting there looking miserable. <laughs> <That's not laughs> well, we're all in the same boat. Yeah. The, the tomatoes are just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're just looking at me as if to say, well, why did you do When's the this? sun coming? <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the veggie garden but certainly the the ornamental garden at home has just gone nuts I mean mm. you know yeah. I'm going to have to spend some time in the next few days and actually get out there and prune things back getting a drink up the bowls I've put in in my wisdom vinca in a nice big bed that worked so well last year right but the cold and the wet sort of thing they're sitting there and looking pretty miserable oh. and they're going to make it you know yeah it's just you know the, the change in the seasons isn't it, I suppose that's right just, uh, yeah. yep oh well we can't do anything <laughs> about it no, unfortunately no, with it. exactly I must say one thing though um, a couple of my salvias that I thought I'd really lost this time with that, that late frost yeah, we had yeah, yeah, um, they've actually they've started sprouting yeah, again yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was madly out there cutting them back and <laughs> I think we're surviving yeah well I, I, I can say with some assurity that I have got far fewer plectranthuses than I started yeah, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, uh, I had a big batch of the blue uh, Eclonii one in the garden and it's virtually gone there's just an odd little bit of it making its way back and Unless it really gets moving, it's not going it's to not fill gonna the gap. It's not going to do anything. No, then. it's not going to fill the gap that it's has been left behind. So I think I have to rethink plectranthus as a plant at Macedon, unfortunately. <laughs> like, yeah. my, like my banana tree, it's not looking real well. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're a bit seedy, is it? Uh, How's your banana? Actually, my Abyssinian banana did come through the winter all right, uh, and it's now breaking into new leaves again and starting okay. to look all right. Okay. So the banana actually did surprisingly well, uh, but a lot of stuff got burnt this year that I've never had burnt before and I certainly lost things this year that have managed to come through before so mm. uh, the frost was obviously either excessively heavy or at just the right time to do the most damage so it really did knock out some plants yes well I, th- I think it was getting that second heavy one yeah. you know because I had th- things coming through after having survived that first frost yeah. but but that second one came late and it hit so hard and probably too a lot of the foliage had died that had been hit by the frost and initially. it was just so, starting to yeah so you they know? could get right down into the yes, plant that's right so, oh well again a gap is an opportunity well, certainly there, there you go <laughs> yes you've got to look at it that way yep absolutely <laughs> Okay, moving on. Um, Friends of Burnley Gardens have got uh, an illustrated talk coming up next Wednesday, the 28th of November. Um, it's Hermannshof and uh, Landscape Design Trends in Germany. And this is being given by Sandra McMahon, who, of course, is a, a landscape designer in her own right. Um, now, seven for a 7.30 start, Sandra will present an illustrated overview of the history of landscape design in Germany, concentrating particularly on 20th century and current trends uh, and uh, uh, evolving over the past 30 years. Uh, this is Hermannshof um, of, as a public garden. Uh, so she'll be talking about that one in particular. Now, um, you do need to book for this. Uh, you can phone the friend's office on 90356815 and leave a message, uh, or you can email friends.burnley at gmail.com. Now, of course, it'll take place down at Burnley in uh, main building room 11, 
Uh, Burnley, of course, is at 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. Uh, now, drinks and nibbles will be served at 7 o'clock. The talk starts at 7.30. Cost $5 if you're a member of the Friends Group, $15 for non-members, and parking is available in the boulevard. Now, a couple of extra things coming up with Open Gardens Victoria. Firstly, they've got a very unique opportunity to visit um, a Melbourne uh, garden treasure, Cranlana. Have you oh. ever been to no, Cranlana? A girlfriend of mine actually has been a part-time gardener down there for years, and I keep meaning to organise a private tour, as one can, oh, yeah. when one has contacts like yes. that. Uh, and I've just never got round to doing it. Mm. So, uh, uh, But, you know, from what I understand, it's a remarkable place. So mm. Very worthwhile. Now, this is, of course, in conjunction with the Meyer family that the garden is opening. And uh, it's opening uh, on Thursday, the 29th of uh, November, for a special event that will benefit a new therapeutic garden at the Royal Talbot Hospital. So it's oh. for a very good cause. And this is the first time it, Cranlana has been open to the public in many years. Uh, and uh, visitors can... Uh, can choose from two uh, catered sessions, either an afternoon session or a twilight experience. So, uh, uh, as I said, there are two sessions. You can either um, participate in an afternoon tea in the mm. garden, the afternoon session, which will run from two till four, or uh, the evening session is five till seven, and you can... Uh, also have sparkling wine and cannabis in the garden. Yeah, lovely. So, lovely. Mm-hmm. Now, tickets are $120. Mm-hmm. Uh, to book, you do need to go to Open Gardens Victoria website, which is opengardensvictoria.org.au, and uh, that will all come up there on the uh, website. I, I assume it's limited in numbers as well. So I would imagine yeah. it will be, yes. Yeah. Um, so, as well as the catered afternoon tea or evening uh, wine and canopies, there will be talks by Cranlana's head gardener, Anna Thompson, and also journalist Michael Smith. So, mm. uh, it would be a really lovely evening. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it sounds like or something afternoon. well worth while doing. Definitely. So, as I mentioned, that's only for one day, Thursday the 29th of November, which is next week. So, uh, you do need to, if you want to participate in that, jump online, opengardensvictoria.org.au. Now, the other thing that, uh, that they are organising are three garden workshops uh, running on 1st and 2nd of December. Now, these are going to be covering um, quails, permaculture and tomatoes. Uh, now, the first one uh, will be, take place on Saturday, the 1st of December. Um, the address is the Plummery in Northcote, and this is backyard quails uh, being covered by the workshop, running 10 a.m. through to 11.30 a.m. Uh, cost is $30.00. And, again, uh, bookings are via the Open Gardens Victoria website. The second one, which is running, again, 1st of December, but in the afternoon, 1 o'clock through till 2.30, is a small urban permaculture uh, workshop. And, uh, again, $30 and bookings via Open Gardens website. And, uh, finally, on Sunday, the 2nd of December, there's going to be uh, two sessions talking about tomatoes. So it's a tomato masterclass. Uh, there'll be a morning session, 10 till 12, an afternoon session, 2 till 4. 
Tickets are $45 for this. And this one is being held out at Rose Creek Estate in East Keelor, which, ah, mm. and it will include a full tour of Rose Creek Estate, Goodness. which is mm. just a stunning place to visit. It mm. really is. I'm, I've been there several times yeah. now, and I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed at, at what they're growing out there. It's incredible. And um, this uh, masterclass is being run... Um, by our very good friend Karen Sutherland, ah, right. um, because of course they've just newly released uh, the she and Penny book. Uh, the tomato book. <laughs> yes. So uh, it's all in celebration of that one. So uh, I think anyone going out to Rose Creek Estate would have a wonderful time with that one. Once again, you do need to book, and bookings are online at opengardensvictoria.com.au. Now, I'm also delighted to mention that our good friend A.B. Bishop, um, having just uh, released her book called Habitat, mm-hmm. um, is actually having a book launch and all our listeners are invited. It's an open book launch. Oh, fantastic. So if any of our listeners would like to attend that book launch, it is taking place Saturday, December the 1st, so that's next Saturday, 3.30 p.m., up at Karanga Native Nursery in the cafe oh. up there in Paperbark Cafe. Uh, that's at 118 York Road in Mount Evelyn there. Um, their phone number is 97608100, but you don't need to book. You can just turn up. Uh, so that's next Saturday at 3.30. I know AB would love to see some of our, yeah, our listeners lovely, turn up for that one. Um, Monica Thomas uh, from Karanga is going to be the MC, and speakers are going to be speakers are going to be Diana Hill and of course Angus Stewart mm. as well as AB Bishop. So it should be a great afternoon. Fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now uh, nearly there. There's always things happening at this time of the year. <laughs> uh, just quickly to mention, of course, uh, during um, over the Christmas New Year period. Cloud Hill uh, Garden usually runs some events in the garden uh, and they always include a Shakespeare. And this year's Shakespeare being uh, performed by Ozat is uh, a summer frolic, frolic, much ado about nothing in the Cloud Hill Garden. So this is going to be running on Friday 28th, Saturday 29th of December. So I'm giving you advance notice, 6.30 till 8.30. Adults $35, under 16s $25, and uh, that should be a bit of a hoot, I think. It should be. Yes. Because I think some of Shakespeare's comedic things are, are fabulous. Yes. Actually, I just went to Twelfth Night. Ah, right. The other day. Right. Uh, and it was tremendous. If Good. anybody's thinking about going to the theatre, I could thoroughly recommend it. It was great fun. It's got um, Frank Woodley in it. Oh, and right. He plays this rather pompous, silly, clownish character. <laughs> It'll be very silly by the sound and, of it. And he does it so well. <laughs> he would. Yeah, so, yeah, it was really good. So, yes, I can thoroughly recommend Twelfth Night. It was a great <laughs> night out in the theatre. And I will never, ever forget, my parents, years and years and years ago, took me to um, A Midsummer Night's Dream in the Botanic Gardens. Oh, yes. And poor old Puck got lost in the middle of the production. Because, <laughs> oh, no. of course, the garden, and, and, and it, was, it was set near some of the ponds, yeah. you know, and, and it was very dark. I mean, the gardens aren't lit up terribly well. No. And halfway through the production, you suddenly heard these calls of, Puck, where are you, Puck? Oh, <laughs> it, it was just hilarious, but still, those sorts of things are yeah. great fun. Oh, of course they are, yes, yes it's exactly. all part of the fun. Yep. 
Well, it's high time we did invite our listeners to join us. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, we have got Graham Morrison in the studio who can answer all things growing fruit and, uh, and edibles. And, of course, we've got our, our guru, Stephen Ryan, in the studio, so he can answer absolutely anything else. So well, do give hopefully. us a call. <laughs> the number is 94190155 to speak to the team on air. Or if you'd like to have a chat to Robin on the outside line, 94198377. Now, I should mention and remind listeners that um, 3CR Gardening Show does now have um, a Facebook page. Oh, yes, yes. And all of the pictures of the plants that I'm going to talk about shortly are already up there. So if you, if you want to know what Stephen's mentioning, which we're going to do in a minute, and you want to see what the plant looks like, go to the, simply go to Facebook, log in, and, and click on 3CR Gardening Show, and it will all come up. Yes. So, yes, a great innovation, I have to say. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you can be the best describer in the world, but unless people can see an image of the plant you're talking about, I, I've had people have all sorts of weird ideas about what something I talked about actually should look like. Exactly. Uh, when it comes to the comes to the crunch, yep. so it's a good idea to go in and have a look on the Facebook page. So I sent all the pictures in last night. So, Excellent. So they're all there and hopefully named and maybe named in the right order. But anyhow, you've got to work that out for yourself once I've described them. Hopefully. Okay. Well, let's make a start. Steve. All right. Well. Actually, one of the things I brought along today, which is a plant I've been meaning to talk about for ages because I think it's such a useful thing, most people are familiar with the common everyday Boston ivy that you see growing up buildings around Melbourne and on fences and all sorts of things. And it's a a fabulous, quick-growing, self-clinging climber that in the autumn can turn the most brilliant scarlet. It's just beautiful. And um, uh, the house we own next door to our house we live in, we've covered in Boston ivy, and it looks absolutely fabulous all summer it's a bright green and then the whole house turns bright red and it's just fabulous but it is a vigorous and quite big growing climber and like most climbers will require regular attention if you want to be able to look out the windows or 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 have the spoutings work (laughs) so you've got to get out there and you've got to prune it back and all that sort of thing um but there is a boston ivy um a variety called lowei l-o-w-i-i which is a semi-dwarf one. So if you've got a sort of small wall or a low fence or just a... Uh, I've seen it actually growing up the side of a, a large sort of amphora type urn even. Oh, okay. So um, uh, it's got sort of cut foliage, so it's almost parsley crested. And it's nowhere near as big and strong and vigorous as the normal form. It seems to be as hardy, but it's just a much milder growing climber. So if you're looking for something for a restricted space that you don't want to have to be pruning every five minutes, mm. um, then the cultivar called Lowy Eye is well worth looking out for. It's not that easy to track down. Not a lot of people grow it. Uh, I think it's a great little climber. Uh, and it does all the same things as the ordinary Boston Ivy except in miniature. So it's self-clinging. Um, it makes a nice, neat, flat sort of surface if it's on a wall or fence or whatever um, and it's got a nice fresh green foliage during the summer and it also goes a wonderful scarlet in the autumn before it's leaf shed. It's great for hiding an ugly fence and it's oh, not yeah. going to pull the fence down. No, in fact it might hold the fence up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the cultivar called Lowei is well worthwhile looking for. Like most of these plants they're fairly drought tolerant once they get their roots down. Uh, they'll cope with sun or semi-shade although they tend to colour better in the sun than they do in semi-shade. So if you put them in 
in a uh, a spot where it's semi-shady, they might go more into the yellow and orangey colours more so than the reds. But they do colour up nicely, um, and it's very restrained and very easy to manage. Mm. Perfect. So, so it's well looking out for, uh, but you will have to hunt. You might have to make a trip to Mount Macedon even. I don't know. I don't know who else grows it for me, but it's probably out there somewhere. But uh, it's just one of those little climbers that sort of slip through the net. And self-clinging climbers are incredibly useful because you don't have to have all that infrastructure of wire. You don't wire have, to have or trellising or wires yeah. or, yeah, and, and wonderful. And most of them will grow to the size of the thing that they've got to cover, and then they sort of more or less stop. That seems to be how they go. I've got a, an ordinary Boston ivy that's growing up a gum tree in the back garden that has, had died years ago, and the gum tree was cut off at about 30 feet, and so it's just mm. a gum tree stump, basically, mm. in the garden. And it's grown right to the top of that, and it's just sort of now sitting there. Lovely. And, and looking lovely, and yes. the autumn it just turns bright scarlet. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And you walk past it underneath and you wouldn't realise there's no canopy above you particularly and you've got all this lovely bright fresh green foliage. Mm. So, yes, I do like the Boston Ivies. Mm. And I have to say, just in passing, because I've had this happen before, where people, I, I get into trouble for talking about Ivies. Boston Ivies are not true ivy, so they're not on the weed list like true mm. ivy is. Yes. Um, it's a common name. It's got, there's no real connection. In fact, the Boston ivies are more closely related to the grapevine than they are to anything else. So mm. they're in the same family. Mm. So they're in the grape family. Perfect. So, so the common name is a little misleading, although it clings like an ivy, so I can understand where it came from. Stephen, last week I went to one of the open gardens in Elfington, and uh, they had uh, these uh, horn, horn beans, sort of thing, as a, a, a hedge that mm-hmm. I've seen in uh, New Zealand quite, quite a bit. And then they had uh, uh, sort of, you know, back towards the fence, and the Boston Ivy, like you say. Yeah. Like you say, if it's, if it's well kept, this was so well kept. It was just, just like a, a sheet, you know, the whole thing. They almost look no, like tiles no, on a roof. Yeah, they just no, sort of sit no, no, so no, neatly. Not a leaf out of place. It was yeah. just, just beautiful. Mm. Yeah. They are. They're great plants. And, uh, yes, I don't think you can overuse them, really. I think they're a fabulous group of plants. And I don't mind the fact that they're deciduous because I think in the winter when they're bare, their tracery of interesting stems is quite sculptural. So I think it looks quite interesting in the winter. And, of course, because it's dynamic and changing throughout the seasons, it makes the garden change throughout the seasons. Instead of having something that's sort of all box bush and white gravel or something, yes. it's really static and you've yep. got no sense of movement or change. The Boston Ivy helps punctuate your seasons really well. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, brilliant. Okay, we'll go to our first caller. We have our good friend Pam up in Kyneton. Good morning, Pam. Uh, hi, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Up here, not too bad, not too cold. Good for us. <laughs> anyway. You got, got your gum boots on? Oh, I've always got those on, Graham. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, when I heard Graham's voice, I thought, yes, he's the man I need. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> I've got two plum trees. Yes. Um, Mariposa and oh, I forget what the other one is. And they're halfway down my down my hill. And last year they had no, they didn't have any plums. The year before they had lots, but I suppose that's what plum trees do. Yeah. And now this year I've got lots of plums, but I've developed, and I can't work out if it's the frost or if I actually have a bug on the on the leaves on, that's eating the leaves. So the and. And given you were talking about frosts earlier on, and we had, we get, we've had some very yes, bad, sneaky would. frosts yeah, yeah. that have burnt a lot, but you haven't seen mm. them much, they've kind of gone a bit quicker. Mm. Um, so the tops of my plum trees have got 
um, curled leaves and they're black, so they've got black ends on them, but they're curled and they've got little bumps on them, almost like, you know, when they get... Um, a bit curly like curly leaf. leaf, yeah, a bit like curly yeah. leaf on a peach. I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, so, Graham, yes, you can tell, help me by telling me if you know what it yeah, is too because yeah. I've seen it around uh, yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. And it's on another big plum tree at the back of um, Margot's new venture in... Um, uh, in uh, Piper Street. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so what was then worrying me was the new leaves are very limey green. Yes. Um, and, I, and when I bought... I picked three pieces and bought them in this morning, mm. and out of the pieces fell some little bugs, mm. and they're like ladybirds, mm. but they're not. One's trying to fly. Mm. They've got a little black head and a little black body with two dots on them. Mm. They're not like a ladybird, but they're obviously in that family. So whether or not they're eating mm. something on the leaves or they're the problem, they might be just like ladybirds and be mm. doing yeah, sure. some good. I guess I didn't want to spray because the trees are full of plums. Yep. Um, so what I did do, I got one of those, I had one of those um, containers with the uh, seaweed in it that I got from, uh, that I bought, you know, when you had the radios on. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, maybe if I spray the tree over with um, seaweed and mm -hmm. give it a good dose and a good wash, yep. this was before it had rained. Mm. Um, so I did that and the tree sparked the new growth sparked up a bit after that mm -hmm. so it's had two doses of seaweed yeah. the, co the colour of the uh, the leaves have improved a bit or they, yeah. they have improved yeah. a bit yeah. but uh, I'm just not sure but some of the new leaves are curling as well yeah yeah, when you first had, I thought it'd probably be the cherry slug, uh, mm. which will get into plums as well, the little guys. Yeah, there, just, uh, I don't yeah I've but, seen uh, it, Graham. It's not that. Yeah, it's it's not it that. looks yeah, like yeah, peach yeah. curly leaf. Yeah, yeah. The other it thing, does. of course, it can can be with curl, the thing that causes the curl as well as the fungus thing is a, 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 a aphis. Whether you've got yes. green aphis or, or, or the black aphis, and my brother, yes. brother's got a plum tree, and he, this, you know, he hasn't seen aphis in that tree for years, and it was covered in aphis this year, and certainly the, the little aphis sucking the sap out of the thing, cur, mm. curl the leaves. But I wonder, mm. you, you wouldn't see, you would see that pamper. And again, you know, if, if, if there's aphis there, there's usually some ladybirds around of one, one sort or another, uh, because they're, they're, they're the, the, the predators for the aphis. So these little bugs that I've just had two, yes. two where that fell out, they're not no. ladybirds. No, right. I wish they had to be. No, I'm unaware of that one. I, yeah, I don't know. I've got an extensive book. I'll have to look him up. I guess what I was... The question, I guess, is do... Well, everybody sprays, don't they? I mean, yeah. I try not... I try not to, and I suppose most people yeah, do Yeah, that's well. certainly most people do. I didn't want to spray something yeah. if it was unnecessary, yeah, I guess. Right. I just w were wondering whether the same, you know, method they use for the rose aphis, if you've got a high-power high hose and, you know, you go, 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 go the, the tips of the tree specifically, a, a, a good swish with that, whether you get, get rid of the, the boosts. Yeah, which yeah. I sort of did with, yeah. the, with the seaweed. 
Yeah. And I tried to get up underneath the leaves. Yeah, sure. But a, a, but it, mm. And I guess it could be a combination of things. It could be the peach leaf curl. And then the frost on top of it has yeah. burnt the leaves. But usually plums are not really subject, you know, your nectarines no. and peaches really get that, and the plums mm. don't really succumb to that. But and they will succumb to aphis, and the aphis will cur- cur- okay. curl the leaves. When, when you pull the tips down, you didn't see any aphids on the, on, on the, no, on the leaves? No, I, I didn't no. see aphids, but no. this other gentleman who um, knows quite, you know, has quite a big, does a lot of um, vegetable and fruit growing in Kerry. He yes, yes. he thought that it was a mm. a bug on it, and he thought that I should spray it with this spray that I can't even remember the name of now. <laughs> <laughs> but would you use Dipel? You wouldn't use Dipel, would you? Confidor, well, that's the caterpillar. That that's yeah. caterpillar. Yeah, Confidor. Yeah. Would you spray it yeah. with Confidor? I wouldn't or... spray it with anything, Pam. I no. think uh, I've seen this this leaf curl thing around a little bit this year myself, yeah. and I've sort of scratched my head and looked at it, and I can't quite yeah. figure out what it is. But mm. plums in general are as tough as, mm. and I think they'll grow through it personally. Yeah, uh, yeah I've never seen it before. They've mm. never do- mm. ever done it before. Well, it's around. You're not the only one. Yes, well, that's what I say. The big plum tree at the back of Margot's place now on Piper Street, I, it was exactly the same as my tree. Mm-hmm. Have a good look for, for aphids as well. Okay, but, I uh, will. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, and I think I might just keep spraying the tree. Well, the plums, yeah. the plums will they stay there? Because it's a lovely crop this year, and God, yeah. I'd hate to lose them. No, they'll stay there. They're thinning out a bit. I've got a plum tree at home. Yeah. The thin you see a few on the ground. The yeah, I've got a few starting to drop yeah, out yeah, of one yeah, of my yeah, plums yeah, yeah. as well. But there'll be pl- pl- plenty, plenty there for you, Pam. You, 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 okay, you, you, I'll, you, I'll, just, right. I'll sit tight and I'll just use a yeah, bit of seaweed yeah, yeah. And, and I'll spray the tree under the leaves. I tried to get under the leaves. Yeah. Have yeah. got any entomologists listening and they can identify this character? I haven't come across that one. I've, uh, I've got um, a booklet, an old um, mm. Reader's Digest that I've had for years and they've got all the old stuff lots and lots of different stuff in I'll go through that now I'd not seen these little bugs before until I bought these pieces inside and put them on the Mm. light coloured bench it's amazing isn't it what you see that around if you really go looking oh yes yes. (laughs) it pays to be observant in the garden it certainly does okay well good luck with that Pam thank you very much it has it's Yes, I, I feel better now. I'll yeah, I, I wouldn't be worrying too much because mm. it's damn hard to kill a plum tree. Yeah, right, yes. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know, remember, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Uh, see you later. Bye. Bye-bye, and thank you. Okay, uh, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. If you'd like to phone in this morning and ask a gardening question, 94190155 or or to have a chat to Robin on the outside line, 94198377, which reminds me mm. uh, we do have um, a vacancy coming up for another um, person who'd like to volunteer to be part of the team to answer the phones for us in the new year because oh. um, one of our very, very long-standing volunteers um, is going to be finishing up at the end of the year, unfortunately, wow. because she's done. she's been volunteering for the last 10 years, yeah, so we're yeah, all going to miss her. So um, if, if someone listening out there would like to be a part of the team, um, we will train you up. It's not hard at all. 
Um, it just is a commitment for one Sunday uh, in the month. Um, but Which isn't uh, too much to ask. No, really. it's not really. Yeah, and it's fun. I mean, you come in and you chat to people and uh, you learn skills. Uh, and, yeah, so if you're a bit chatty and, and good with people, well, you'd probably enjoy coming in and doing it. Absolutely. So if, if you are interested, um, if you can simply uh, phone Rosemary on 94190155, leave your name and telephone number and email address and I will get back to you. So we'd love to have someone else to join our team, and yep. uh, yeah, we, we all have a lot of fun, don't yeah, we? Yeah, do, and and it's it's about the whole team. I mean, you know, you hear us chatting away on the microphones and stuff, which is all very well, but we've got people around us that deal with stuff, and if they're not there dealing with it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> well, I mean, we'd be lost without uh, without people answering the phones and putting yeah. those calls through to oh, us exactly. here on air. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, so it's a very important job, but certainly not uh, arduous. So, nah. um, Yep. All right. Uh, so, Stephen, one more right. plant. Uh, oh, dear, which one will I go for? I might go for this one because it's the closest. Um, believe it or not, most, you know, most people are familiar with African violets. They know what they are, and they're a, a little delicate indoor plant that, uh, you know, needs some cosseting to grow well, and mm-hmm. some of us can grow them and some of us can't. Uh, I'm in the I can't category with <laughs> violets. They just don't like my house. It's too dark. It's too cold. Um And, yes, I could buy them as a bunch of flowers and then throw them out when they're finished because that's exactly what I'd need to do if I was going to grow them. But the family from which they come, the Gesneriad family, is huge. And there's Gesneriads that grow all over the world. And there is a selection of them that are alpines. Um, And I bought one in today, a thing called a Habalia. And Habalia comes from the mountains of northern um, Greece and Turkey, uh, Bulgaria, no, not Greece and Turkey, Greece and Bulgaria. Um, and it grows like an African violet with long, narrow leaves. So it has a rosetting type form like an African violet has. Um, and then it sends up spikes in the, sp- in the spring through into early summer uh, with little lavender and white flowers, slightly trumpety shaped flowers. They're not flat like a normal African violet tends to be. Um, and so it's an alpine plant. So if you're going to try and grow Habalia or any of its relatives, there's things from um, uh, the Pyrenees. There's Ramondas that have more African violet-looking flowers. There's uh, Briggsias and Brigandias and things from the Asian area. All of the sort of northern hemisphere mountains tend to have their rosetting Gazneriad plant, which I think is really fascinating. So you could become a little obsessive and become a bit of a collector of this group of plants. They're not for the open garden, really. They're probably best grown as pot plants. They like fairly reasonable light levels, but they don't want to get too hot and dry. Um, so a well-lit fernery or somewhere like that might well be the place to grow them. And because they have about the same dimensions as an African violet, you can get a sense. They don't take a lot of space, mm. um, and they can be struck from leaf cuttings like African violets can, um, although you will find they'll multiply by the rosette as well, so you can actually break them up as well. Uh, and they're just charming little plants, and they're something different that people don't often get a chance to see. Um, and I've become a little bit obsessed by the African violet family, those that are the cold, hardy ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Habalia, um, and as I said, there's Ramondas and there's a whole group of other alpine Gesneriads, and some of them actually in their natural habitat, they grow in sort of rocky crevices, and if they dry out, they, they virtually just curl into a dead ball, and then when it rains again, 
they open up and are alive again. They're sort of a resurrection plant. Good heavens. Uh, mm. So some of them will actually go into a dormancy if they get too dry. Not that it's a particularly pleasant-looking dormancy, so you don't want to encourage that sort of behaviour, but some of them can, and then they will break back out of it again when they get enough moisture. Okay. So... Ordinary potting mix, um, uh, not too big a pot. They like to be sort of mm. firm in their pots. They don't mm. like to be in too too vast a pot. Um, and probably shallower pots than deep ones would be more mm. successful because yep. they are crevice plants in their natural habitat. And yeah, I just think there's something a little different and interesting um, and certainly worthy of having a look at at some stage. And most of them are not particularly common even in the wild. So they're one of those sort of mm. groups of plants that are struggling a little bit, and if global warming keeps going the way it looks like it's going at the moment, they may well end up without having enough height in mountains to keep going up. Mm-hmm. So they could okay. push themselves into extinction by running out of okay. altitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, so if it gets too warm and, and dry for them, uh, they could disappear out of the wild, oh, which dear. would be really sad. So, But very pretty little plants. So that's Habalia, and again, the photo of that is on the Facebook page. Fantastic. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Don, who's out in Blackburn. Good morning, John. Oh, good morning. Uh, I have a couple of fruit tree questions. Sure. Um, I've got quite a few fruit trees, uh, several bought from Morrison Brothers, and they're basically all going very well with two minor exceptions. Uh, yes. One's a persimmon, and it's yes. not really doing anything wrong, but compared to all the persimmons I see in other people's gardens, its leaves are quite a pale green. They're, they're, they're not yellowish, but they're distinctly paler than most others, and mm. I wondered if I should be if they're craving some particular trace element or something like that? Yeah, John, it's a, uh, they're fairly slow-growing when they're a, a, a small plant. Uh, but, uh, you know, the old chicken manure is pretty good, you know, a good source of nitrogen. If I see a, you know, one of my fruit trees a little bit on the yellow leaf uh, side, I, I hit them with a the, the bit of the dynamic lifter or chicken manure is really great. Okay. Uh, you probably know your, you know your stuff and you're giving them fertiliser, but I don't know any, any other thing that could be uh, you know, uh, detracting from the, the colour there. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'll yeah. try that. And yeah. the other thing, I've got two sour cherries, and they yes. both look perfectly happy, but they're just not growing. They've been there for about three or four years, and they're, they're about a metre tall. The leaves are green. They get quite a lot of fruit on them. And yes. strangely, uh, in my neighbour's front yard, she's got something very similar. She's got a heap of trees that are growing really well and a sour cherry that basically doesn't grow at all um Mm. i wonder if you if you have any suggestions for them please yeah it's just a bit of a a, a difficult one there they're uh, subject to gamosis the cherries and that that's a thing that really you know stop them from growing but you'd notice that there's a exudative sapples usually come out of the side of the limbs on that one yeah, uh, I haven't, haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. But uh, how are you going for other big trees around the place? Uh, I find in my garden, uh, what I did the other day, I think that, that's not growing all that well. I wonder what's going on. And I got a got stuck into it and dug, dug down deep and found a whole lot of pine, pine roots. I've got a big, that's uh, uh, a... Uh, uh, a, a, con- a conifer and uh, sometimes it's amazing you know even if you've got a neighbour and, and the, 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 a, a root will be taking the moisture and, and fertiliser you know from that, that area would that be a possibility? Uh, unlikely they've got yeah. um, they're sort of next to plum trees and apple tree yes. which are all doing well so. yeah, okay. yes otherwise I don't really really know <laughs> 
usually a ch- ch- cherry kick kicks on. It's uh, I've got uh, one in a cage and I can't stop it growing. I'm trying to yeah. stop it and put it the top. Actually, you know. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a bit of a bit of mystery there. I suppose again, you know, you, you can only try uh, keeping more moisture and uh, and and fertilizer in, in in the growing period sort of thing and see if you'll, you can get get a bit of growth. I suppose the other thing you said it it bore a lot of fruit. Sometimes if a young tree has a, a, an abundance of fruit on it, it detracts from the growth of the thing, you know. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll try that. It's, I guess the fruit's all sort of well set for this year, but yeah. maybe I'll give it some fertiliser and then next yeah. year take all the fruit off and see yeah, what it does. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't be a lot of help for you there. It's glad that some of your trees from Morrison Brothers are growing well. <laughs> yeah, on average, directly. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good on you, John. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Uh, then uh, I think we have uh, Robert um, out in Mitcham. Is there, Robert? Oh, I'm here indeed, yes. Right, go ahead. A question on behalf of my daughter in Ballarat. Uh, in, 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 in relation to the, uh, the curly leaf, she planted a Manchurian pear just recently. Uh, it's probably now about six foot high, but it, I noticed it's got quite a, a bit of... Uh, what appears to be something like curling leaf. The, the leaves are the leaves are curling up, cupping up at the edge. Uh, they're not lumpy like uh, curly leaf on yeah, yeah. Uh I've looked at yeah, it. Yeah. Various insects and aphids and things like that can't see anything, but the leaves are just uh, cupping up. Any mm. thoughts? Just, just wonder whether these, these things are. You know, we did have some dinger frosts. Whether indeed, you know, the tops of these trees, they, when they're even in their dormant stage, were you know severely hit with the frost. Whether that's affecting things or not. Well, Graham, mm. we we've, we have had a suggestion on the outside line mm. that uh, that you may have been right, and he thinks that the little black. Um, Insects are actually juvenile ladybirds, and oh, they're God. there for the aphids. Oh, and he God. thinks the problem yeah, is still sure. coming from the aphids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In, in which case, in which yeah. case, those those juvenile ladybirds yeah, will start one. to clean up the yeah, problem, and that's yeah, why they're there. It makes sense, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen much in the way of aphids on the trees that we're talking about, the plums and stuff. I mean, the plum I saw that's got all this sort of curly leaf sort of condition mm. did seem to be pretty clean of insects mm. uh, uh, I f- mm. personally thought it might have been the late frosts mm. that may have had mm. some sort of impact on how the plants have grown mm. but as I said it's hard to kill a plum tree so yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be worrying too much no, about no. it uh, and I think a lot of these things grow through yeah. these issues um, and I would say the same of a Manchurian pear I mean the pears are pretty tough that's why they're so popular and common these ornamental pears although I have to say the Manchurian one worries me a bit because it's uh, quite brittle Probably not a subject to aphids either. No, know, probably uh, not. Uh, no, no. But uh, the, uh, you know, that back, backing that thought up with the aphids bit, my brother, as I was saying, very uh, a big infestation of aphids on, on peaches and nectarines yep. and, 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 and his plum tree. Well, this, and, uh, this caller yeah. thinks that there's actually... There's been quite a big wa- yeah, um, yeah, outbreak, yeah. and it's yeah, uh, fairly yeah. widespread across yeah, the state yeah, yeah, this year. Yeah, so yeah, sure, sure, yeah. there you go. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for the call. That's good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can I add one more? Sure, sure. Robert. <laughs> I have raised this uh, just recently, and uh, I think Stephen said I should get the axe out. But let's uh, grow and see. Perhaps he may have an idea. <clears throat> We've got a, a very large old fatinia that. Uh, in uh, in our front yard, next to a uh, a big uh, lemon scented uh, 
uh, lemon scented gum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's been flourishing for years. Part of it's flourishing now. It's got flowers. It's got leaves, and part of it's uh, looking remarkably spare and not mm. not looking well at all. Mm. Any thoughts other than the axe? Yeah, I think I just probably agree with Stephen. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> See, yes, don't be a coward. Just take it down. <laughs> plants run their race, you know, and you get old and they sort of, uh, I think it sounds as though it's on its way out to, to, to tell you the truth, Robert. Well, yeah. It's at least uh, 50 yeah. years old because we've been here oh, my goodness, uh, a bit longer yeah. than that. It was it's here when we came. It's had a good run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, with some of these things. Thoughts you know, of salvation? Yeah, yeah, you can get real brutal and you know, cut cut two thirds off the top and see if it'll respond and you know come come out again. And they uh, often will. I mean, yeah, for tinny yeah, is sure. one of those things that'll shoot yeah. from old wood. Yeah, so, I don't believe you should keep anything in the garden for too long if it's looking really miserable, because all they, you do then is you have a garden full of hospital cases. Uh, and so, if you give something a good chance and you do all the right things and you're feeding and doing whatever else needs to be done, and I might add, if a tinny are right near a big uh, lemon scented gum is probably competing with something that's going to outcompete it in time. Exactly. Um, uh, so I would rather not have the evidence sitting there, so I would prune it back really hard and just see if it reshoots from the bottom. Um, and if it doesn't, well, then a gap is an opportunity. There you go. Thank you're, you, Kindly. Yeah. Okay, then. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, okay, next up we have uh, Joe um, online. Are you there, Joe? Hello. Good morning, everyone. Um, Good morning. I've uh, got a problem with my lemon tree. I've got uh, scale, black scale on, on the leaves. Um, yes. Yeah, it, it, it had a little bit last year, but this year it seems to be a lot more. And, um, yes. I just want to know best to treat it and what, how to yeah, avoid it. Yeah, it's just about on time of that. We grew many, many lemons in our old orchard days. And uh, uh, December, end of November, December is a, a, a great time to spray to control that beast and the white oil is the one that you spray with yeah. we used to use petroleum oil which is a bit of a no-no now you get a, a organic oil on there and uh, wait for a reasonable day you've got to be fairly uh, thorough with the spray with the spray, spray thing uh, the other, the other thing is, to, if you spray on a day where it's over 30 degrees, you're likely to put, bring, bring, bring the leaves off. Okay. The other thing we, we used to, we'd give them a good water, but I don't think we have to worry too much about <laughs> that. It's probably this, not this, a this, problem this, just this, now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, 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 the act of that one, it's a good. You know, we don't like to spray nasty, nasty pesticides, but the oil is just a film that goes over the scale, suffocates the things. They, the little. Uh, there's a, Word for them, what do they call them? The little guys that okay, come out there, they're, they're youngsters, uh, don't, don't, don't travel well when there's an oily surface as well. And uh, so uh, you, you, you get a reasonable, reasonable day, Joe, and spray it thoroughly with, with, with white oil. I think Echo Oil seems to ring a bell. Is yes, Echo Oil. Yeah, it's another one that you can yeah, go for, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it seems to be taking over from the classical old white oil. Yeah, so. it true, does. true, true, true. Yeah. true, true. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 
coming? Is it because of the weather we're having at the moment, or is it? Um, no, it's an airborne thing, you know. They, uh, uh, the little, um, I can't remember the name, the, little, the, the, the small little guys are born in the, in, in the air. I noticed on one of my trees, I've got a bit, and you're right on time. It's a good time that you rang up because it's right on time. Yeah. Uh, I think in the commercial thing, we'd hit them in, in December, then we'd hit them in March again yeah. with, with the white oil to keep, 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 keep the scale at bay. But if you don't do anything about it, it's a horror, horrible thing it'll drag the, the, the tree, tree down and uh, you know get the mess all over the fruit then the secondary thing is you get black black uh, oh, the uh, sooty mold so, 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 sooty mold all yeah. over the thing yeah. so okay. white oils you go there Joe right. no just Thank not you. on a windy day and not as Graham said with yeah. if it's over 30 degrees yes, yes. okay thank you very much okay bye bye uh, before I go to the next caller, I do have a couple of things I should deal with. Firstly, um, once again, because we're leading up to Christmas, 3CR are having a wine fundraiser this mm-hmm. year. They've run this very successfully for the last uh, couple of years. Um, now, uh, we've got lots and lots of wine available. There's a choice of four different varieties, Shiraz, Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio and Chardonnay, um, all wines are $15 a bottle or cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. Mm-hmm. And um, if you'd like to uh, purchase some of those for Christmas, um, you can uh, order online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop or by phoning the station on 94198377, and then they can be collected here at 21 Smith Street in uh, Fitzroy. So, so you help yourself and you help 3CR at the same time. Absolutely, yes. So, uh, so there you go. And the other, the other one which I should quickly deal with, um, we've been mentioning the Facebook page. I did notice our good friend John from Melton mm. um, put up a query um, with a photo wanting to know um, whether his garlic was ready for harvesting yet. Oh. Uh, now, John, garlic's normally harvested between uh, late spring and early summer. It does depend, of course, which um, state you live in as, yeah. to, as to how soon. So, obviously, Tasmania would be the last to be harvested mm. and they'd be close to February. Mine. You've dug yours? Yeah, I've dug mine. Mm. I think I did it fractionally earlier than I could have done, mm. but I was a bit worried about the wet weather setting in and whether I might get some issues with the garlic yep. when the wet weather did set in. And also I needed to release the bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had other things I needed to do, but I have got the best. I thought I had really good garlic last year, but I think this year's garlic is even, even better. better. Well, there you so go. I'm very pleased with my garlic this year. It's done exceedingly well. So good. I'm going to have more than enough to keep me going through the year, and I might even be generous to some people and give some away. Who knows? What a nice Christmas yeah. present. Yeah, they'll, they'll have to be nice to me, though, if they're going to get my garlic. I'm very precious. Well, John, John normally, um, and I did look at, at the photo of your garlic, and normally you would, you would harvest it when uh, some of the lower leaves die back, and it looks like some of yours are. Yeah, and, um, and they often start to fall yeah, over. Fall yeah, over, mine's yeah. fallen over. Yeah, <laughs> and, and John's are also starting to fall yeah. over. So just uh, Penny recommends if you scrape back the soil around one of them, if the ridges of the cloves are um, clearly defined and if the bulbs are a good size, then go for it. And yeah. don't wait till all the leaves have died back because then the bulbs tend to split mm. and then they won't mm. store well. You can still oh, eat them, God. but they won't store well. Yeah, so uh, yeah. from looking at your photo, I'd say go and do it. Yeah. Yes, there we go. Talking yeah. of storage, what's the best way to store them? Well, I... I 
cure mine. I hang mine up yeah, just I, in I, a dry place. Mm, yeah, I've got, I do it in the woodshed because um, okay. I've got beams in the woodshed, so I just get bits of sizal twine, and I don't mm. fiddle and faff around. I've tried plaiting, and I'm not very good at it. So <laughs> I don't I, bother with that. No, I don't either. It's a lot of fiddle, so I just <laughs> grab ten bulbs mm. in a clump, sure. so I know how many's in each yep. each bundle, mm. tie them up, hang them from the beams, and then I just take them from there every time I need a new piece of garlic. That's exactly what I do. And I've got I, mine yeah. Yeah, hanging in the laundry. Yeah. Um, I've got a rod in the laundry. Um, I actually yeah, tie them in a bunch um, and I've hung them off coat hangers. Just yeah. tie them to the coat hangers and they're all hanging up. Yeah. And then I just the big cut trick myself is, up. Yeah, is to yep. make sure you keep some of your good bulbs back. Yes. Yeah, so that you've got some for planting the following year. Yeah, well, I try and make sure I've got at least a bundle of the biggest bulbs sort of slightly yeah, isolated, yeah, yeah. and I good, try and keep yeah, those good, ones good, good, good replanting. Because um, I put in about 100 cloves every year, and I always have more garlic than I can really use. But um, as I said, I can give it away to friends and things, and they're always very happy to get some nice homegrown organic garlic. Well, I actually, because I plant, like you, I planted heaps of garlic last year, and I've, I've still got quite a lot mm. left, so I didn't bother to plant this year. I thought that's going to be a every second year crop mm. for me, I think, just so that I can get through it all. But Yeah, yeah. well, I, I just keep it till the new stuff's ready, and then I ditch the old stuff, mm. and it goes in the compost heap, and I start again, because mm. it starts to dry <laughs> up. And Well, mine hasn't so far. Mine's yeah. been really oh. good, so, yeah. Well, as long as it's still doing that, mine had started to go a bit wrinkly and, and was starting to mm. shoot and, and looking a bit miserable. Well, I, I, had, I had one particular variety start to shoot, but I used those yeah. immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and the others are, are still going no, guns. No, they're hanging Great in guns, there well so, and good. Yeah. But, yes, I can now start. Well, I think I've actually used the first bulb of this year's crop okay. already, so mm-hmm. I'm now moving on to this year's crop. So. Yep. Uh, I think it's fantastic to grow your own garlic. Oh, I think it's got to be wonderful. One of the most satisfying things is to be lifting those bulbs of garlic out that you planted as little cloves, and now they're lovely big fat bulbs. It's just and do do try some different varieties because yes, there's a, a quite a difference per, 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 in one I've got going yes in flavour and yeah. uh, and 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 you can it's easy to obtain different varieties of garlic these days. Oh, yes. Diggers have a great selection. Um, so so you know be a bit experimental and try a few different sorts. Yeah. Just remember when you tie them up in bunches to label them so you know which oh, ones you're trying. Yes. Otherwise, I've only got one variety now, which was the one I bought up at Tesla's a few years ago that was rouged to something or another. Um, and it's performed so well for me, I haven't bothered with the others. And a lot of the others I had prior... Uh, I'd forgotten what they were. Yeah. You know, so I had no idea what they were. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've stuck with one and I'm quite happy with it. So, Fair and, enough. and it produces more garlic than I need. So well, I if think, it's well, working for you, just keep yeah, with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we must go to our next caller. We have uh, Julie in North Bourne. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for the garlic info. Now, I've learned a lot there as well. Oh, good. <laughs> well done. Here's my problem. I've got five years that are not flowering, and this has gone on over uh, a number of years. Mm. Uh, they're in two different places in my garden. One that get is, ha- is shaded by a shade cloth, and ferns grow happily there. The clivias just sit there. Uh, and in other parts where in the dust stays south, it gets good winter light, but it, in summer it's got dense shade with uh, a, uh, a climber over the top of it. So the ones that, are, that I've first mentioned, there's one of those that has flowered and flowered regularly, and the other five 
which I think I bought as little inch, whatever they are, one inch pot tubes, just haven't flowered. And and on the other side, I, I have generally got one flower, although this season I didn't even get one of those flowering there. Leaves are healthy, but mm. they're not flowering. How big a clumps are they now? Well, they're quite mature, uh, all of them are. The, the, the ones that I bought as inch stock have probably got five or six leaves on them. Yeah, if they've only got five or six leaves per plant, I still think they're too small. Ah, so it's a maturity thing. I think it's yeah. a maturity thing. Generally speaking, clivias start to flower really well when you start to actually get a clump of crowns. You know, so ah. when they've sort of built up to be a sort of a colony of crowns, that's when they start to really hit their straps. And so I think because you've bought them as such small plants to start with, um, you've, you're paying for your economy by having to wait. <laughs> Yeah, so if you've only got five or six leaves per plant, I would still see them as juvenile plants. Um, And so I think you've still got a wee wait to make, uh, to get, you know, good flowering on them because they need to build up into decent size clumps. And so you're not saying light is an issue? No, I don't think so because uh, I've got clivias in some seriously dark corners of my garden. Mm. Uh, And in fact, where I am in acid, and I've got to have them in quite dense shade because I've got to try and keep the frost off them and this year some of them did get frosted because it, it ma- managed to get into places where it just didn't normally get in mm-hmm. but they've still flowered well it's just they've had ratty leaves as well as nice flowers and um, so light level shouldn't be an issue if the plants are growing and they're healthy looking I think it's just a matter of patience. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry, I don't see any way around this now. All bad news. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> okay, okay. bye. You. Bye. Graham, you've brought in some fruit. Oh, yes, as usual, Pam. Sure <laughs> Something quite large, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't put them on your, your, your uh, mad, 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 magic technology there. So you say, oh, I'll have to describe this one. It's what we call a babaco. It looks all for like a, a, a pawpaw, do you, would you say? Yeah, so sort of like, like a ridged pawpaw-y r- thing. R- and r- I guess r- it's related, so they're... Yeah, probably yeah. They're yeah, some, same some, sort of family. Somewhere along the line. It's a prolific thing, and I've got... Uh, I had one, one in, in my garden, and up, uh, up it went, and had a bunch of fruit on, but I should have brought a photo in, at least, at least for Steve, Stephen and Pam. But it's just loaded at the moment. This fruit is about, about 30 centimetres long. Uh, it's just, just turning yellow. This time of the year, they gradually turn yellow, and when they're yellow, they're, uh, they're re- 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 ready to eat. So this one's a little bit Im- immature, thus I'm not cutting it up into pieces and feeding it to... Sorry about that. Could have been breakfast. Now, I guess at the moment, Pam, well, I talked about my first first plant. It went up to about a metre, and it produced fruit and probably about 10 to 10 similar, similar to that so for a small plant it's, you know, it's very prolific as and far does it have the sort plant. of more or less upward <laughs> trunky <laughs> thing <laughs> like the pawpaws yeah it just mm. goes up in one single stem yeah. and these guys all go on the side of it so it would be actually <laughs> for space wise would be a very economical yeah, fruit they're, to they're, plant they're, they're very mm. true you could stack a lot, lot, lot in that, that, that's, that that's really a, a, assuming a good, you good, like good, the fruit a good, <laughs> a good, a good attribute, attribute yeah 
yeah. And then, then the next year it had to get a little, so it got up to about a good two metres, maybe two and a half. I had to put a steel stake on to, to, to keep it up, uh, upright. And then I thought, gee, this didn't have such a good crop of the one up the right up the top. So I, thought, so I, I nipped a couple of shoots off the side and, and just propagated. And they soon, 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 soon took root. And so I put another two. And the two at the moment, I reckon they've got, without uh, uh, exaggeration, 20 fruit fruits like that. So sort of Simon asked about the flavour of the thing. Now that's probably maybe not quite quite up to standard. I think in New Zealand they thought it was going to be the the world beater. You know, they're going to uh, take uh, over from the kiwi fruit. Kiwi fruit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all. Right. You, 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 you're good. It really didn't. It, it, it's melony flavour with a bit of uh, little, little lemon. Flavour in there as well, yeah. sort of thing. So it doesn't it's taste like a pawpaw, though. No, it? it's not. No, not, 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 not as good as pawpaw. Though. You think? That's oh, a, I can't stand pawpaw. No, it's one of the few fruits that I look at and no. I go, oh no, I can't eat that thing. Oh no, I like a good pawpaw. Yeah, yeah. I'll eat any mangoes you throw at me, but not pawpaws. To be quite honest, I, I actually don't like the. Baker. You baker, don't like it. No, no. you've yeah. tried it. Yeah. I have yeah. tried it. Yes. Yeah. Very juicy, you know. But, and, and, Very juicy, but, but it's just bit not my taste. Yeah, yeah. it is a yeah. bit bland. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. yeah. yeah so Our good friend not. Karen, who used to uh, <laughs> help with the school garden at oh, uh, Footscray yes. West, yes, 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 they yes. were growing them oh, in their go. school yeah. garden, so that's where yeah, I got a taste. And I thought, no, it's it's not doing wonders for me. You won't mind if you don't have it again. No, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and some things are acquired taste, I guess. Exactly. I mean, if you had it growing in the garden and you felt the need to use it, I guess if you kept using it, you'd sort of get used to it. But if it's not something that you love, no, yeah. Right, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like some, you know, I've tried some sort of heritage fruits and vegetables and things in the garden, sometimes something I've never heard of before. In one or two cases, I didn't even know what to do with it once I'd grown it. Um, and I nearly always fall back on the staples that I know I like yeah, and yeah, you know, I know how to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's nice to be experimental, but you know, yeah. at the end of the day... I think Pepino you once mentioned wasn't your, wasn't your cup no, of tea. Yeah, I'm that not a bit, fond of Pepino yeah, It's a either. bit bland and yeah, sort of... Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it's a pretty little plant. I don't yeah, mind yeah, it as a plant. And the fruit looks nice. Yeah. Uh, it does look pretty very sorry. pretty. Yeah, yeah. Pretty but pretty yeah, I thought it was a bit sort of ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's probably yeah. right, probably right. Yeah, yeah so yeah, no, give thing, me a mango. The other possibility is really good for you, sort of thing. I don't know whether it is or not, Pam. But my wife always said, if something that tastes good, it's bad for you. Only because you're going to get addicted to it. Yeah, it's an interesting slant on it. Yes, it's like if it tastes bad, it's got to be good for you because of medicines and stuff. I think, but I'm not sure it goes through to fruit. So yeah, so anyhow, so I wouldn't be able to grow that at Macedon, I take it. No, that, that, no. Again, the frost knocked the stuffing out of it. All the leaves on the top, top, like a little umbrella of leaves at the top sort of thing, because yep. it pr- progresses upwards. And uh, they all... But, you know, lo and behold, it's like you, some of your plants are shot, shot, shot out uh, after the thing, and these fruit, fruits didn't seem to damage at all. They're, yeah. they're fine, so pretty pretty tough as far as frost is concerned. Yeah, mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, there you go. Bye-bye. Okay, mm. next fruit. Yeah, we've well, go. got some more. I'm, I'm surprised, Graham, because you've actually <laughs> got. Um, I'm presuming they're raspberries there, yeah. and they're very early. Yes, that's, Mine that's are just true. leafing up at the moment. Yeah, that's, well, that's true. Well, there's no raspberries yeah, yeah. to be had at Mount Masson at the moment. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I don't know the name, but we used to sell hermitage in the in the nursery because it was a double cropping one. You get yes, you know, fruit, okay, fruit, 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 fruit in the autumn as well. But this is not the hermitage at, uh, at all. Someone might know. 
that's of the name of this character, uh, Raspberry, possibly Nika, N-E-I-K-A. Okay. It's an early variety. It is very yeah, early. Sure. And, wow. Uh, good, good, good flavour. Salmon, would you be... Oh, good, good. we get to taste yeah, test. Yeah, yeah, there's a taste, right. taste, taste <laughs> test. Here we go. Pam, Pam. It's not quite as sharp as some raspberries I've had. No, no it's not. It's got a nice flavour. Oh, it's got a nice flavour. Yeah, 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 but yeah, it sure. doesn't have that acidity yeah. that you yes, expect from a raspberry. Yes, it's not as But it's a very nice raspberry nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd be very happy to have a few punnets out of the garden mm. of that, I think. Yeah, no, I've been having a few feeds. Uh, I've told you about my cage that I built. I put a, a, a yes. figure, a, a mulberry and, and a cherry tree in there. And I've thought to myself, on the, on the sides... I've, I've planted some berries, which has worked out very well. Excellent. They, they've gone up to the heavens. It's right, right up and very yeah. vigorous thing. Of course, with a raspberry, you've got to be careful it doesn't take over the... Oh, the, yes. oh the, that's the, right. The, 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 so sucker across your whole garden, yeah, yeah, even yeah, half yeah, a yeah, chance. Yeah, sure. I get very ruthless mm. with my raspberry mm. patch yeah, every yeah, year. That's and right, sure. You I've have got, to be. Yeah, I've d- d- dropped a, a trench and put black pol- polythene sort of thing to try to... Yes, because you don't really want the raspberries to take completely over. No. As nice as they are, you don't want just raspberries. Exactly. And then there's a loganberry just come, coming in there. Oh. You better try, try this. Oh, yes, better try the loganberry. It might be a little bit acidic for your taste there. Okay. Oh, it's not too bad. Too bad. I can yeah. live with that. Yeah. Oh, no, I can live it's got with a, that. It's got a very yeah. blackberry type flavour to it, hasn't yeah, it? It's sort of in that oh, sort of yeah, vein. Yeah, yeah sure. But yeah, and it's. Uh, uh, well, again, one of the early berries, like mm-hmm. like, like a boysenberry, young berry, uh, there's a whole ma- ma- marion berry, tay berry. There's, there's so uh, many of them that uh, I can't it, tell which it, is which. It, it goes That's on, my problem, it? identifying yeah. some of them. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly, I've tried to keep it. And I've got strawberries there as well. But uh, again, I've got, you know, we're, we're protected from the birdies and that makes a big, dip, big, big difference, I think. Uh, keep on going here, Pam. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I got in, in my cage of the first lot of cherries. I fancy. Well, oh, you've yeah, done yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. It's Simon. Stephen. Stephen, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> talking it's to because t- you've been travelling. I don't care as long as I get the cherries. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they're very tasty cherries. Yeah, oh, they're lovely. Yeah, mm. It's an early, early variety, I think, b- 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 bird's hoof, they could call that one. Now, is this one a self-pollinator, or do you need to have no, cross-pollinator? that one needs a cross-pollinator. Mm. And uh, being a nifty grafter, I've got six, six different varieties on this tree, so I think so. Ah, so there's, you there's, put them all on the one no, tree. Yeah, yeah on, on, on the one tree. And uh, it's pretty at the moment. There's some really green sort of thing, and uh, some I've got... Uh, n- n- Napoleon there, which is the one that doesn't uh, colour up at all. It's like a, 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 a white, white, white. Oh, yes, it's, one it's, of the white cherries. Quite, quite a sweet, sweet one. That yeah. one. It's a good, good, good one. And actually, by it's having a, several different varieties, obviously, you go to stagger yeah, the cropping. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. cherries are gorgeous, exactly. but you could easily yeah. over-indulge. So if you've got yeah, several okay. different types and you can spread them yeah, over that right. sort of period. Um, it's a safer way to go, you reckon. Oh, I think so, yes. I don't think it's a good idea just to live off cherries either. <laughs> uh, which, which totally reminds me of a photo that I took when you and I were, were travelling in Provence yeah. um, of um, 
Do you remember the garden with all the cherry trees on the terrace? And I've got oh. a photo of the beagle dog yes. leaning against a support over and eating the cherry Is That was quite a garden, that one. That was an amazing oh. garden. Yeah, so really, really quite a fascinating place. <laughs> a few edibles in the garden? Oh, oh yeah. yes. yes, yes. It had good, you know, sort of edible plants as well as ornamentals. And because it was, um, it had really sharp terraces. You know, there were, there were yeah, big cliff yeah, sides, and then there'd be a terrace, and then there'd be another cliff, and then another terrace. So the whole garden was in, in multitude of, yeah, of levels. levels. I don't <laughs> think I'd want to be the gardener in a place like that. No. It'd drive you nuts going up and down the terraces every day. Uh, <laughs> but it was a dramatic setting. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah it's beautiful. Yeah, because you look out over the whole valley. Yeah. Was, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, lovely. In fact, that whole village was gorgeous. Oh, wasn't it ever? Yeah. Oh, dear, I'm getting homesick for there. <laughs> <laughs> Mentioning the cherries, and I think I mentioned a little while before, they are subject to, 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 to cherry slug or yes. pear, pear slug, and that's starting to show its uh, effects on my cherry tree. So oh, okay. for the, the people out there, if you've got a weeping cherry or any sort of cherry, just, just watch it. Because if you leave it for long and you look up and there's about skeletons of leaves, about all you've all you got left sort of thing, yes. yeah, they'll take, take out all, all Do the Do you deal the with the cherry slug in some way or another, Graham? Or? You know, my old grandfather. They were growing cherries way, way, way back in Doncaster. They used to get the dust, dust of the, you know, when it's certainly drier than it is at the moment, mm. and throw that on the tree, and that, that stopped them from going from... Yeah, it sort of dried their little bodies out. Mm. Uh, I, I probably used one nasty that I shouldn't, but uh, I put a, a pyrethrum on, and they're easy to kill because they're feeding and bibing the, the, the tissue on the leaf, so yeah. they imbibe that, they, 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 they die. Mm. But, uh, I, I, I mm. actually get the ash from my fireplace and yeah, throw that over that, them, that, and that, it that works like a charm. Yeah, as long as you don't do it with the wind blowing towards you. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you pick your day. Yes, but, you'd have but to it pick. works really yeah, well. well. I must do that. That'd be a good, good, good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like fire ash would work quite well. No, it does. And in fact, it's got all sorts of minerals and things in it too, which will That's probably right. be useful in the ground in due course anyway. Because yep. my, my ash from the fire always goes out into the garden in one form or another. So That's true. You yes, yes, easily, yes. Actually, I must check my nashi pear and see if it's got any on yet at this yeah, stage. Mm. And subject to them as well. Yeah, so it sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, could be a good way to clean out the fireplace. <laughs> 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 Okay. <laughs> Last one, Pam. If yes. you're a game, this is locut. What do you think? Is it your? Yes, I like locusts, your, your especially pa- pa- if they're a really good, um, go. large locust, because there's yeah, a lot of sure. seed to, yeah. to pulp value in those yes. locusts. Yeah, very, 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 very true. Mm. Well, this is a very sweet Delicious. one. This is the name yeah. cultivar. Yeah, it's, they call it herd's mammoth. That mm. one. Okay. And I was going to say that, you know, you see, they're such a tough thing. We're talking about plums being tough, but they you can't really kill them. And you, it's because they're, the people out there know, know, the, know a locust full of these big uh, brown stones or, mm. or, 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 or pips, and these are spread around the place, and they commonly come up in garden, gardens wherever. I've seen them as street, street trees as mm. well, sort of thing. Yep. But if, if you grow a seedling, you're not going yeah. to necessarily get particularly good fruit. That's, 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 right. That's, that's right. Now, you might be able to tell me, Graham. Yeah. I years ago bought a grafted locust, which is growing in my garden at home. Yes. Get big fruit on it. It's lovely. Yes. And its name was something like a series of letters or numbers. And that's all I can remember now. The label disappeared almost as soon as the plant got home. And it was, it was, it was either a series of numbers or letters or both. It was sort of, you know, a, a TOC125 or, you know, I'm just making that up. But, you know, it was something along that line. You've not heard of one? No, I haven't heard of that one. No, 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 no. no. 
Damn, because uh, I would uh, like to know which Logan it is, because it's, it's yeah. lovely. Yeah. Okay. It's escaped my memory at the moment. But, uh, I bought it yeah. from uh, Poynton's years ago. Oh, yeah. And like, like you say, Stephen, it's, you know, these that come up willy-nilly, they're always for fruit sort of thing, and they're that, mm-hmm. but it can be just these brown stones with a skin wrapped around them. Yeah, there's virtually no meat and, to them at all. That, 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 and so, you know, they're a bit pointless unless you... Um, yeah, 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 sure. So those people out there, if you want to grow a locust and they're a hardy thing to grow, you haven't got any pest, pest, pest worries to speak, speak of? No, they don't seem to get anything, no, 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 do no, no, they? No. So they're, they're yeah, really good. But, but buy yourself a grafted tree. Mm. You know, mm. that, that, and be prepared for a lot of hard-to-get-rid-of leaves. Oh, yes, that's right. They do shed them. Because <laughs> when they shed their leaves, they're like plane tree leaves. They just sit there as brittle and hard things yeah, on the ground. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. seem to take forever to rot down. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. And their flowers, I think, in about June or something. You know, yeah, they flower at a weird time of the year. Right, right in the middle of winter. And I have to say, for me, some years the cold takes the flowers out. So yeah, probably, I don't yeah, always get reliable yeah, crops with locusts yeah, in my so, garden. Yeah. But my locust tree's hidden in a back corner behind the shed where yeah. it's just growing up above the shed now. So yeah, yeah. It, you just they, see they, the foliage. They can get quite a big tree. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah, Yeah. But it's lovely, and when I do get them fruit on it, it's nice. I mean, mine's nowhere near fruiting at this point in time, Mm. and I think with the heavy frost we had this year, I might not get much fruit on my leg. I like the foliage. It's a bold and tropical-looking tree. very tropical with the big leaves, yeah. Yeah, So I quite like them. I think they're an underrated tree. And they're tough. They're real, you know, you see them in a lot of old gardens. Yeah. Again, I think if you get a grafted one, you can get them on a, a restricted stock now, like a, oh, you can oh, get okay. a, a quince stock that doesn't go up so, so high. So oh, right. It works better for people in their gardens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, they can go up to 10 metres. Yeah. Know, so yeah. And, that, and for what you get back from them, they are quite a big tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, not, I'm sure there's things you can do with locusts, but I've only ever eaten them sort of as a raw, you know. Yes, that's all I've ever done too. But yeah, there must be something you could do if you've got a large I'm sure they'll make a liqueur. (laughs) Nearly anything will. (laughs) Actually, that's something I've been doing this last week, making elderflower cordial. Ah. Got 12 bottles so far. Well done. Yeah, and I've got a couple of elderflowers in the garden that are the black-leafed ones, and the flowers are pale pink. And they actually make a rosé-coloured cordial. So I picked oh, all my lovely. pink ones and made the first batch of cordial, which will all be this r- rosé pink. Uh, and then the next batch, which I'll do probably this coming week, will be all sort of a, a white wine colour, so that sort of pale, lemony, yellowy colour. Uh, oh, can you imagine just, just putting a drop into a, a glass of the pink one and then topping it up with the sparkling? Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Oh, yeah. Here we Absolutely go. perfect. <laughs> well, we, we, this year, I think we'll make enough cordial that... Won't have to buy any for the whole year, and it's easy. It's really easy. Uh, I think the recipe works on it's either thirty or sixty flower heads, and then you've got the the other ingredients: there's citric acid and sugar, and you know yep. all those things. Yep. Um, so we did a batch with 120 flowers the other day, and we ended up with basically 12. You know those Bickford lemon. Uh, all right. Yep. Lime Yep. Cordial bottles. Yeah, uh, well, we've kept a whole pile of those in the shed, and so we've got 12 bottles of cordial put aside. I might add, during the year, as it gets a little older, sometimes you open one and it starts to fizz. Okay. But there's so much sugar in it that it's still fine to use because uh, they do it's say fermenting in you, the bottle. Yeah, it's fermenting in the bottle. Don't need your bubbles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The cordial's go. already got its own bubbles, so you do have to be careful releasing the the bottles just in case one has started to sort of get a little. So bit it needs. Of 
screw top. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to explode on you like yeah. ginger beer. Yes, well, it would. But, yeah, so we've been making our own. So we did a whole batch this week, uh, and we'll do another batch next week, and that should keep us going for the whole year. Um, and we'll probably have some we can give away for Christmas and things to well, some of the family you, members. Now you know what to serve next time you have opera in the garden. Yes. That yes. would go down very nicely. Yeah, but then it's like it's like garlic. You get a bit precious about something you made yourself. And, sh- should and you you're share not it going to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might not have enough to last me the year. Ah, <laughs> okay. Yes, I don't know. I don't know. But anyhow, we'll see. Another thing yeah. that comes to mind from another bit of trivia from uh, Simon R- R- Rickard. You were saying with the uh, elderberry, they use the hollow stems for the Irish bagpipe yeah. r- r- reeds. Yeah. Oh, look, there's so many things you can do with elders, um, including a lot of things you wouldn't be bothered doing with elders. Okay. Uh, yes, you could make your own set of pan pipes with them. You know, so yes, you could be, you could be playing El Conde Pasa before you know it. Um, but, um, yes, you can use them in lots of different ways. I mean, you can use the fruit or you can use the flowers. Um, and, of course, their most great use about elders is the fact that they keep away witches. So, oh, that's okay. Yes, it's one of their, one of their <laughs> the high points. This works over up at your yeah. place. Yeah, I haven't had many. In fact, I've got my own selection that I selected. A seedling came up in the garden at home that's sort of a chocolatey leafed one with slightly serrated edges, tends to green as the summer comes on, has slightly pink flowers, but huge flower heads, mm. really big Lovely, flower yeah. heads on that's it. And I've called it Witch Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the cultivar name I've right. given it, because uh, I figured, well, you know, let's, let's play with the sort of mystery and history behind the plants. Absolutely. Plus. And so, yeah, so I've called my cultivar Witch Hunt. So, oh, I uh, like it. Yeah, so I'm hoping it will become a popular elderflower in due course. I'm certainly great for cordial making, you get really big flower heads on it. Oh, yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. And it's a vigorous bush. Goodness gracious. Now, uh, we've had uh, uh, someone called Phil, uh, a lady called Phil, um, has rung in. She must have heard me mentioning the wood ash, um, wanting to know if you can put wood ash straight onto the garden. Well, you can, but not thickly. Yeah, you you use it. I always say you use it like a condiment, not an ingredient. So you scatter it. Uh, So it's like putting salt and pepper on your chips. Um, You don't use it like you'd use flour in a recipe. (laughs) So, yeah, use it like a condiment. Just sprinkle it around lightly. Um, uh, It's got uh, potash in it. um, And it's slightly alkaline, so I'd be cautious using it in any sort of quantity around things like azaleas and rhododendrons and mm. things like yeah. that although if your soil's already quite acidy it probably won't make any difference mm. um, but yeah. yeah I sprinkle it around the garden or I, yeah. I sprinkle it on the compost heap uh, nothing ever goes to waste I mean you can no, always find some sure, way of sure. using virtually anything around yeah, the garden yeah, if you yeah, think yeah, it through yeah, yeah. remind me of the lawn clippings uh, you know, if you put them in a great pile, the, the flies will blow it and sort of thing, and you get real, real, real slimy stuff. Spread it, spread it around, sort of thing, and it's, it's fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, and also you'll build up heat if you put it too thick, and you yeah, can burn your plants. Sure. As it's well. good on the compost heap for that respect, though. If you put a good layer on the compost heap, it builds up a lot of heat. Oh yes. And it starts that compost oh, really yes. going, which yes. is good. Yep. So there you go. Yep. Stephen. Oh, yes, we've got a couple more plants. Yeah, but before we go to that, we should talk Madagascar. Oh, yes, I should mention it in passing. Now, Madagascar, uh, the trip to Madagascar is coming up next September. So I think it's about the 19th of September and it goes through into early October. Uh, It's 21 days. Uh, We'll be hitting all the high spots of Madagascar. So we'll be going into some of the really interesting national parks. We'll go to the Baobab Avenue. So you'll be able to see those amazing Baobabs with their big 
column-like trunks. Uh, we'll be visiting villages, uh, seeing how the villagers live. Uh, last year, or last time I went, which was two years, uh, will will be two years ago by the time I go again, uh, we went to a village where they made um, garden tools out of um, second-hand metal. We also went to a place where they got all the aluminium cans from Reunion and turned them into pots and yeah. all sorts of things. So they were, they were, it was like going back into a, a Dickensian time. You know, there's, there's this sort of dark place with flames and sparks going everywhere and, and these people working, you know, in a pair of shorts. <laughs> you know, with flames. Health, health and safety. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And no shoes. Um, and so, yeah, so the trip is coming up. If anybody's interested, I mean, it is one of the world's most incredibly interesting places oh, to visit. Um, it is struggling. I mean, it's actually just being classed as the world's worst country for firing their forests. Mm-hmm. So I just noticed that on Facebook or something the other day. That Half of which is eucalypt. Yeah, well, they've got a lot of eucalypts there, but they're destroying a lot of the forests in the sort of central north area mm. to plant peanuts to sell to, to China. Oh, no. You know, so they're, they're destroying thousands of acres of, of dry woodland to plant peanuts. <laughs> And so it's very sad, that side of it. So I have this sense that if we don't visit the place reasonably soon, there might, might not be any point in due course. But the national parks are still fantastic. Uh, animal sightings are guaranteed. Uh, I think last time I was there, we had somebody on board who was actually a retired person from the Melbourne Zoo, and they kept a record on what we saw and so forth. And I think we saw... I think we saw 16 different lemur species. Uh, we saw about half a dozen different chameleons from the tiniest one up to the very largest one. Uh, and we saw all sorts of other things. We saw helmeted vanga birds, which apparently are one of those birds that are on every Twitcher's list that you have to see around the world. Uh, the helmeted vanga is apparently the, the Madagascan must-see bird for a Twitcher. Uh, so we saw, uh, we had a lot of sightings of creatures and things, and we saw all sorts of interesting plants. Please, if you're thinking of going, get in touch with Australians Studying Abroad uh, or you can go into my my website and my tours are up on the website. So there's a link. even if you're not quite sure at this stage, put in an expression of interest. Uh, you wouldn't be necessarily expected to put down a deposit just yet, uh, but it leaves next September, so you'd have to think it through reasonably soon. Uh, ASA tells people that it's the hardest tour they lead anywhere, and that may well be true, but you don't necessarily have to be super fit. I mean, it's not like we're scrambling up mountainsides necessarily. There's a fair bit of walking in the forests, but you're under canopies when you're doing that most of the time. Um, it's more about having a sense of resilience than a sense uh, than being exceedingly fit. So, you know, there's long drives down dirt roads in four-wheel drives and, and it can be hot and dry or it can be hot and steamy, uh, depending on where you are. So, you've got to be able to cope with the weather and you've got to be able to cope with the inconvenience of bad roads and things, uh, which I find quite exciting actually the drivers there are really very good at what they do and they do it really quickly (laughs) so it can be quite exciting it's like getting on the big dipper Um, so if you're at all interested in Madagascar please get in touch with ASA go into my website and have a look at the trip Uh, as I said it's mid-September next year Uh, the prices that are quoted on the website are uh, twin share excluding airfares although it, it does include any internal airfares, it includes all your mm. meals, so there's no meals you have to buy. Uh, really all, the only money you'll need is a few Malagashi Ari for buying souvenirs and alcohol. Mm. Really, it's about all you'll need money for. And it really is the most remarkable place. So if you want to go, please come with me. Uh, I'd like to see the tour filled. It's limited to 16 people, so it's a, a quite small group. Uh, and we have a ball. 
It's really exciting. And some of the places we stay are stunning. So there's some really nice resorts there now in, on the edges of some of the national parks, which are quite civilised. Mm. So it's a great place to go. So there you go. Now, I also want to very quickly mention a new book that's just been released. Um, this is called The Complete Guide to Australian Birds uh, by George Adams. Uh, now, this is um, a photographic celebration of the beauty and rich diversity of Australian bird life. Um, it's the result of several years' work in collaboration with, uh, with his wife, Diane. It's uh, written in everyday language, featuring over 1,400 crisp, brilliant digital images taken in the wild by some of Australia's best wildlife photographers. So oh, fantastic. Really, really photographic. Fantastic photography. Now, the photographs appear directly alongside concise information, including the bird's scientific name, common name, um, size, description, behaviour, preferred habitat, feeding habits, voice status, breeding patterns and uh, distribution map. Uh, bird families are grouped in 27 chapters containing birds of the same or related families or birds of similar habits or habitat. And uh, chapter introductions contain general interest information such as nesting and behavioural trait and uh, each of the families included uh, in the chapter. So it, it has just been released. Um, it's been published by Penguin Random House Australia and uh, it should be out in all bookshops now. Recommended retail price is $45. Oh, that's pretty reasonable. And it's, it's a tome. Oh, yes, it's a big, fat I'll book. I'll just pass that yeah, across to you, Stephen, so you can it's have a quick, quick, quick look. Quick, quick, but um, anyone who's at all interested mm. in, in oh. birds of Australia, mm. it's, it's a fantastic book. Some great book. plates there. They're lovely. Oh, yeah. Some oh. of the photographs are we incredible. We do have some stunning birds in this country. Mm. So, For instance, it also contains the first entry and photograph of the previously mm. believed extinct night parrot. Oh, yes. So that's just one of the photographs in the book, but there's, it's the photographs are absolutely numerous yeah. and, and yeah, so, it covers so, everything. So well done. Yeah, yeah. And, and the little maps are fantastic because they give you the distribution of the bird and all that sort of thing at a glance. Yep. So yes, it'd be a very good home twitches book. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. Fantastic. Yep. So there we go. Okay. Looks like we've got a couple more callers to quickly get to. First up, we have Sue in Narry Warren. Good morning, Sue. Oh, hi. Actually, it's Mary Warren North. Okay. Um, um, Graham, I've got woolly aphids on just one of my apple trees, and uh, my gardener was here last week, and he suggested um, the spray I use is the Graham, um, you know, the rose spray that... Yes, you've um, got Graham Sargent. Yeah, Graham okay. Sargent. Yeah. Uh, he suggested I use that. Is that all right for woolly aphids? It's got sea soul, uh, echo oil, and... Um, a fungicide in it. Yeah, I suppose so. We used to have trouble in our orchard with the same beast, and it's because it's so woolly. You know, the spray would run off it, sort of thing. You know, I just just the other thing I think you would have to put. We reckon we'd have to put the nozzle spray pretty close to the actual offender and sort of get it right in there, rather than just run run off the stuff. But I reckon as a safe. Uh, spray so that would be your best best shot to get going with that e- e- echo oil yeah, yeah. okay then, is, it, yeah. Is, it a, is it a big tree 
Uh, well, it was a big tree. It's not as big as uh, um, used to be, but because I've cut I, some I, off. Otherwise, but, uh, you get, get, get a pair of gloves, and it's amazing what you can do in ten minutes. Or sort of, you know. Oh, absolutely. Rub it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off. I probably probably could. It's just. That's know. what I did when I had a problem yeah. years ago. Some apple trees mm. seem to be more susceptible yeah. than others. Yeah, because yeah, sure. I've got three apple trees, and mm. that's uh, it's sort of Granick Smith, and I think years mm. ago Alan Gilbert might have put some other varieties on it, okay. and that's the only one because the other two are fine. Mm. Yeah, that seems yeah. to be the, be, be, be the case. But you've got to watch it on your clothes. I know when we were pruning in the wintertime, if we'd brush up against it, there's a, they, they squeeze, and they're sort of like a red dye yeah, comes really, out of the thing. Really, yes. really, yes. really. <laughs> Bad news on your clothes, uh, my, my, my mother would tell us when we got in. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'll sort of try and get round to that. Wear an orange T-shirt, you might not notice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, then. Bye. Go Bye. on there, sir. Bye. And uh, next we have Pam out in Coburg. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. I've got a question for um, Stephen about the small-leafed Boston ivy, or yep. the small Boston ivy. Um, I've got some fairly ugly concrete water tanks, and I mm-hmm. wondered if it's... Perfect. Perfect? It's perfect. not going to do any penetration? No, they the don't concrete. penetrate. They just stick to the surface. So right. the only time you'd ever get any problems with Boston ivies or their ilk is if you're growing them up a, a wall that's got mortared brickwork and the brickwork is older than about 1940-ish when they used the lime mortars instead of the concrete mortars and then you only have a problem if you take the plant off the wall yep. because you'll peel it off the wall and it'll pull out bits of mortar. Okay. Otherwise, so if it's left in situ, it's, it won't do any harm. And you've got the smaller ones. I've got plenty of stock of it at the moment at the nursery. Um, yeah. I propagated a big okay. batch last year, uh, possibly more than I needed to. So I've got oodles of them. So if, if you're looking to plant some of this small leaf Boston ivy, I've got plenty at work. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just on the woolly aphid, a brush with um, a jar of metho and just yes. take yeah, that across. Yes, that works well too. Yeah. Thanks, Pam. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That yes, I've actually used metho when I've had woolly aphids in um, maiden hair fern because yep. you can dab yep. it in That's and, right. and it seems to soak into that woolly yeah, stuff right. and kills the insect yeah. on the inside. So, yeah, yeah. metho is quite good. Yep. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Pam. Pam. Bye. Bye. Pam, Pam, just be uh, just an interesting one I'd like to add for the people out there. Uh, in New Zealand, like in Australia, uh, they're losing their nurseries that are, have a wide range of plants, like a diverse, diverse range right. of plants. Okay. And there were a couple of people mentioned it to me and said, and I think it's up to, you know, our customers out there to support people like Steve Stevens Nursery and people. I think even Don Teese is it up in. Uh, well, Don's actually he's, closed. He's closed. His brother Peter is still running still a nursery, running so up, there's uh, yeah. uh, Peter's yeah, Yumina yeah, rare plants yeah, yeah, is still yeah, going yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah. But it, the, you're right; the, the nursery industry is getting smaller and smaller, it is. and we'll end up with nothing but golden diosmas and James yeah, Sterling phytosporums yeah, yeah. if we're not careful. Yeah. Iceberg rose. Yeah. It's a shame if that happens because their diversity, you know, for people, they actually, you know, even where things are going to be extinct sort of thing, if they're buying stuff that is a bit off the beaten track, yep. which can be beautiful stuff like you, 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 yeah. you know. It's, and, and it doesn't and, necessarily you know, have to be hard to grow. No, it's no, just no. that no. people 
don't know about no, some of these that's right. and the other that's thing right. sometimes it doesn't look real good in a pot sort of yeah. thing but yep. you know when, when you grow, grow it and of course the big barn's not going to sell anything that doesn't look good in a pot so oh, yes. it's not, 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 not me there for you so yep. just it's a thorn in my side yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely mm-hmm. having said that you've got a couple of minutes alright two minutes alright I brought along a um, South African Rodo Hypoxis which are a little thing that have a rhizome underneath them they're summer growing so they need some summer irrigation obviously and it's, you treat it like a bulb like a summer growing bulb and it looks fantastic in a small pot uh, and it comes in white mid pink and dark pink so Rhodohypoxus borei and there's a picture of it on the on the Facebook page and finally a little North American prairie plant uh, Amsonia and it's got the palest iciest blue flowers on mm. it uh, and it's a perennial grows up to about a metre uh, in the garden Flowers nice and early, so it's out in the late spring when a lot of your perennials sort of take longer to get going. And in the autumn, as it dies down, the whole plant will go orange and red before the leaves. Oh, die. good heavens! So, and it's it's a prairie plant, so it'll grow in you know an average garden in a sunny, well-drained aspect. A little bit of summer irrigation won't hurt, but it doesn't need a lot. Uh, and and there's several different species, but they're all in the same sort of mould. They all seem to have these pale, icy blue flowers. Some have bigger or smaller leaves, but otherwise they all look similar. And they all seem to get to a about a metre tall, and they make a dense clump. They don't run or become okay. invasive in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, so Amsonia. Uh, so well worthwhile looking out for. They're not an easy plant to find, uh, but I've got a couple of different species in the garden at home, and all I ever have to do with them is cut them down in the autumn. You know, they, they're just so easy. I don't think about them most of the year round. They come out and flower now, um, and you know, I'm still waiting for dahlias and, and daylilies and everything else to start flowering. But the the Amsonias are out and looking rather splendid. Mm, how so big would a clump get? Stephen? Oh, eventually you'll only end up with something probably about 30 centimetres across. Okay. Uh, and that would be after many years in the ground. It makes quite a woody clump, so it's actually quite hard to divide. Um, uh, you'll probably destroy a fair bit trying to get it out of the <laughs> ground and break it up. Um, uh, I actually grow it from cuttings because uh, it's easier that way yep. and, and I can get flowering sized plants within 12 months from cuttings okay. so that's the way I propagate yep. it so Amsonia and it is a really interesting little genus uh, and they all look similar if you get one it doesn't matter which one really in a yep. sense okay brilliant we have run out of time uh, a huge thank you to uh, Rosemary and Robin who've been handling all the calls this morning you have been listening to the 3CR gardening show we will be back again of course 7.30 next Sunday morning So until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.